0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Goal Own Goal. Joining me, as always, the walking own goal (laughs) himself, Roger Mitchell. Mate,
1: how are you? Not bad. It's not bad. I'm okay. It's it's been an intense week, hasn't it? Um, I'm sure it's been much worse for you than me. It has. <laughs> it's
0: been
1: an intense week. Yeah, yeah. That's one way. That's one way in front well, of me. it. We'll, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe uh, touch on that a bit later. We'll maybe touch it, but I know you're very tired. Yeah. I know you've had one hell of a week. Basically, rewriting that article every ten minutes as events oh, unfolded. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just been murder.
0: Murder! I murder! I tell you, murder. Right. But, um, well, let, hey, listen, look, we got we
1: we got through it. Well, we'll come on to that. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's there's plenty to talk about on I mean, it. And, and why don't we start? Why don't we start? We'll give you uh, we'll give you a shot to just w- waken you up a wee bit. A shot at Fulham three sending off. you all of a sudden you're the big Billy yes. bo- big bollocks now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing your weight around. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I'm here. I'm here in Australia,
0: and um, <clears throat> the game kicked off at three thirty this morning. And uh, I, I had, I'd say, I was writing all all week. I was, I finished late last night. And if I hadn't had meetings this morning that I had to go to, I would have just got up at three thirty to watch it. <clears throat> As it happened, I woke up at five thirty, uh, and that's why I just missed the end of it. So of course, I look on. <laughs> I look on the <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> what the hell has happened here? And I, I've seen the highlights since. And look, I mean, it sounds like, and our mutual friend Dave Lip said to me that Fulham were the better team and probably deserved to win. Um, you know, I haven't seen the whole game. I just saw they the did. highlights. They did. They did play but well. Look, uh, you, you know, Roger. it's funny. W- when I read about what happened with Mitrovic, I just had the – the image of DeCanio Canio and Paul Alcock in my head you yeah, know, yeah, from, yeah from back yeah. in the day. Not far off that. Well, look, come on. Look, and the way it was written, it sounded like it was two hands in the chest, a massive shove, but it wasn't. It was a, you know, it was a, it, it, look, don't get me wrong. It, they'll throw the book at him and rightly so. You oh, can't, you can't so. touch the riff like that. But I actually thought, yeah, uh, I, which I'm fine with. I actually thought it was worse after he pushed him when he
1: got right up in that's his face—that's what I mean. That, was, that's, I agree with that. It was very aggressive after you, that. You, you, you,
0: you can't do that, and so he'll, he'll get the book thrown rightly <laughs> so. Um, I didn't see so the much. only thing I haven't seen. The only thing I haven't seen. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the only I haven't seen is the is the supposed thing that caused all the fuss, which was the penalty the ref didn't give in the early going when Luke Shaw shoved Mitrovic. I didn't. I, didn't, I haven't seen that, um, but apparently. Supposedly, it was a blatant penalty, and then, then no one understood why it wasn't given up. Yeah, you were I very unlucky. I, it,
1: I, I also felt the William thing was, I don't know, I never saw it really up close, but I thought it was a bit harsh, the whole thing. You know, ruined the game, I felt. I mean, it was a good game, and um, okay, you might give the penalty, but sending off as well, it's just, it wasn't that kind of offence, Grant. Common sense. Well, look, I mean, to be honest, I thought after our last couple of games, well,
0: I, I thought we were kind of running out of steam a bit, we played really well, got a lot of it, (laughs) and I thought, all right, we're going to just tail off and finish about 14th to 15th now, that's the way this is going to go. It's fine, That's fine. But from, say, from everything I read, you know, they they gave a good account themselves and they played well and were a better team and, you know, you you go to Old Trafford, um, you don't expect, as as a team up for them, to come away, you know, with, with a win, you just don't expect it, you hope for it. So, you know, it is what it is. And I was looking forward to taking my dad to Wembley, but they left to wait till another year.
1: Oh, I'm sorry about that. But yeah, you, you did play well. I think, as I said before, you've had a great season. But listen, you've got to feel better. You, you could be Spurs. You could be Spurs. Oh, do you know what? You've got to love Conte. You've got to love talk him. talk about own goals. <laughs> I, mean, yeah,
0: and I, wanted, I was going to ask you to talk about this, because you know Conti much better than I do.
1: But... I mean, that's a man (laughs) desperate to get sacked. Of course. course. Please sack me. Please. Well, you know, um, our, our mutual friend, Tom Pitts... Uh, Lion Rock, he had a shareholding, a major shareholding and sat on the board at Inter Milan when Conte was the coach. And, you know, he's a very, very professional guy and doesn't say an awful lot, but you, you mentioned Conte's name and he, his smoke comes out his ears. He is not somebody that's a team player, Antonio Conte. He just isn't. If the, If he doesn't see the tide going in his direction, he's looking for the lifeboats. And yesterday was beautiful, wasn't it? It, was just, it's be- it rivals Kellini about his sp- sports fans. Something always missing. <laughs>
0: I mean, was there anybody he didn't throw under the bus? I thing? I, I mean, I,
1: I couldn't. I couldn't think of anyone he could. He could have had a go out that he didn't. But, uh, and to be fair to, I mean, like I, I think there is a huge element of what he's saying is correct at Tottenham. There's something. Yeah. There's some, Absolutely. But but I mean, to, Conte for goodness sake, he's brought in a lot of those players. They're his buys, you know. And and like <laughs> he just threw everybody, everybody under the bus, <laughs> especially Daniel Levy. <laughs> yeah
0: that was funny. Although look, if Daniel Levy really wanted to stick it to him, he'd make him stay.
1: <laughs> but it was it was a good day's football yesterday. I saw I did watch Arsenal and uh, I've watched a lot of them this year, but yesterday I thought they were superb. Truly, truly superb the way that they were playing between the lines and you know the little one-twos and the movement. You know, it was just and then when they lose the ball, it was like vintage, you know, two thousand and twelve Barcelona. The way they 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 hustle it back, you know, immediately like like a swarm. Um, you know what? I, I I think this is a great team, and uh, I, I think it'll take an awful lot to stop them now, Grant.
0: I do too, Roger. I, I I've, I've thought that for a while now. I think they're, they're a really good team. You know, I've, I've I've seen them at the Emirates once this season, and and I so say the way they played against us. No other teams managed to do that to us the way they did. Yeah, um, yeah. They they absolutely Hammard. tore us apart yeah. in that first half, and then just sat back. It was just a massive golfing class. But um, it's good, you know. I think I think Man City's last two games, the the Champions League de- demolition of um, of Dortmund, and then this uh, you know bringing this Burnley team who were running away with the championship. Um, you know, I think they're thirteen points clear. They've got eighty three points with with nine games yeah. left or something. Yeah. Which is extraordinary, um, and to demolish them six nothing. You know, you've got City and Arsenal both in peak form for the run in, yeah. and of course they've got that game at uh, it's at the M- at the Etihad, I think, isn't it, in, in April?
1: Yeah, it's going to um, be huge. It's going to be huge.
0: Uh, so that's you know, look, it's it's whoever wins this deserves it. That's for sure. Oh yeah, that's but, for but I must sure. admit, I hope.
1: I, I hope it's Arsenal I really do yeah yeah we, we, we do we do need that we do need that I think that would be right but staying on to football a wee bit more just for a bit of a laugh um, we saw the, the Champions League uh, the last eight and actually all the European tournaments this is quite an interesting point I found uh, three Italian teams in the last eight of the Champions League four Italian coaches Um, But, you know, given the golf and money that's between the premiership and everybody else now that we hear about all the time, three Italian teams is, it's a little bit of a slap in the face for English football. They haven't, aren't doing as well in Europe as they should, given the financial advantages they've got. And um, I don't see a lot of people talking about that so much. And they should, you know, my thing about English coaches you know, there's just, they don't, have, Italy just still manages, despite not having a lot of money in their game now, to produce great, great coaches, and, and England doesn't. And, you know, you've got to be careful as well with the playing side. I, I don't often agree with Gareth Southgate and the FA, but, you know, they're having a go at the Premiership for not enough English players getting through, foreign players blocking. And I think that's one of the big things that could save a wee bit football is trying to go back to the way it was in the old days where clubs, national teams were very much national teams with the odd sprinkling two maximum three players that didn't come from the country. I I think we would do super well as an industry to get back to that Uh, and and England best of all.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, but I I think you'd have a hard time getting that through restraint of trade and what have you, I, I, I dare say that would be a bit of a struggle to get that through. But no, I reckon you're right. I reckon you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, you are obviously, when you talk about there not being any good English managers in Europe, you are, of course, leaving out Scott Parker after his, <laughs> um, after his stellar 12 games in charge at FC Bruges, Club Bruges, which ended in <laughs> ended in more abject failure, unfortunately, for poor Scotty. But, um, yeah, no, I think you're right, Roger. I think you're right. The uh, It's funny, you know, we've had, obviously, success in the Champions League. Liverpool have won it. Um, Man City seem destined not to win it, which I, I find kind of amusing. I have a feeling they'll win it this year, but we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I wouldn't mind going back to
1: maybe three foreign
0: players. In every league, and, in every and, yeah, I know. I know the no, argument
1: well, is that we're all in European But first of all, Britain isn't in the UK in the EU anymore, so you don't have that European thing anymore. But let, let's say that you do, you, you can just make an agreement uh, between you know a private members' club, which is a league, that you know you will not employ more than three foreign players. Now I'm sure there's loads of lawyers that would have a go at that and everything, and agents and everything, but sue me. You know, like, sue me. You know, our league doesn't have more than three uh, foreign players on the field per team. You know, I wrote that thing about the Sud team in Bolzano, and, and I, I genuinely think that is one of the big things that could save uh, football that, let's be honest, Grant, it's kind of like, it's spinning out of control now. You know, you see FIFA as he was always going to do, when you've only got one revenue stream a four, a once every four years, you're going to try and get other ones. So he's now gone yep. into this world club thing now, uh, and he's expanding the World Cup, and 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 the uh, and and already people are not happy. This is this is the industry of sport competing governing bodies throwing games uh, their games into a calendar that is more than stuffed. Uh, we've got to take the heat out of this industry and start putting back what I would call more traditional rules that go against with bravery some of the things you know like everybody can play we're all europeans we can all work in everywhere i think we just need to say no we need to save this industry and and and, you know (laughs) infantino is not the guy to save it he (laughs) he is more interested adriana lima did you see that you might not have seen that you were working did you see that no, you know Adriana Lima, Victoria's Secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, t- you told us the story before. No, no, this is a new one. This is a new one. Uh, I think it's a new one. Um, uh, so he is um, Infantino has um, brought her as to be an ambassador for the women's game, the, the women's game. Adriana Lima, and of course, you know, in the long list of the, uh, of, of worthy uh, female people that could take that role. I don't think she's appearing in the top thousand as candidates, right. uh, and 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 you know I love the quote from Infantino this week. Um, it's in Italian because Italians report this stuff. You don't see it very much elsewhere, so, <laughs> so, so, so because like, we love this stuff. So I'm translating as I'm reading it. When you meet Adriana, this is Infantino, you immediately feel her heat, her sweetness, and her availability. Her passion for our game, he says, uh, she lives and breathes football, and this is nothing but a wonderful appointment for FIFA and for the the family of football. <laughs> Adriana Lima, <Lever. God. laughs> and you see the pictures of him standing beside her, and you know that's not a good. Yeah. that's not a good look. You know, it's it's just <laughs> no,
0: no. Well, well I, did, I did also notice that he. Um, he got re-elected for another four uh, of years, course. and said he would stand, and said he would stand for a third term. I so he said, "He i I'm, 'I'm happy to do this until 2030.' But isn't the isn't the maximum term for if he's basically like Xi Jinping or or Kim Jong Un or Putin? He's basically setting himself up as dictator <laughs> for life. Yeah, because isn't not isn't there a term that's much less than he's going to serve? Um, grand- I thought you could only serve two, three-year terms or something.
1: I don't don't know, Grant, but we live in the world where uh, uh, a government can just run roughshod over the the shareholder rights of a major bank (laughs) overnight. You don't get a vote on this deal. You've been sold to UBS. Yeah. Hey, listen, I
0: I spent crikey... 10 years working at Credit Suisse so I I have got a lot of lot of my mates will have um, will have had a rather nasty surprise in their, uh, in their in their shareholdings overnight that's for sure if they still held on to them let, let's, but um let, yeah look we should we should we should talk about that Rog, because I think okay, it's on you know uh, yeah, look it's important right and this is oh, this huge is so thing that to... we've been banging on about for some time now and uh, you know you and I have been talking about the change in the world, the change in having a, a positive cost of capital, the change in how it's going to make people think about money, about the return they're looking for in their investments. And there's been this kind of quiet period that is, my friend Julian Brigden said it beautifully, So it's like when someone throws the grenade on the table and it doesn't explode, you go, oh, phew, everything's fine, it's a dud, tick, tick, boom, right? And now these these booms are starting to go off. And it, it's changed everything. You know, the U.S. has now backstopped $8 trillion of deposits. As you and do, And Janet Yellen doesn't realize it yet, but she has. She absolutely has backstopped every yeah. single dollar of that. And we've seen what happened with Credit Suisse and UBS overnight. There will be more shock by marriages like that, for sure. You know, that the availability of credit is going to shrink. So a lot of these companies that want to buy sporting assets are going to struggle to raise the funds to do so. The world's changed, and, and it does not bode well for massive leverage to buy expensive trophy assets and I, and I think the world of sport is going to feel this very keenly in the next in the next six 12 months
1: yes i agree yesterday i did that was my piece with uh, archimedes and his lever yeah uh yes excellent you know that was the second piece you know the one two or three weeks ago was about underpriced risk uh, in this industry and, you know, that that's a double or a triple whammy grant because, you know, as you know, when, when you go from 0 to 5% risk-free rate that you get now, that changes everything. First of all, it probably puts the world in a bit of a recession, so profits aren't going to be that great. You're paying a higher interest rate, so the, certainly profits aren't that great. Uh, your cash flows that are left, you have to discount at a higher discount rate. And that obviously hugely pulls down valuations. Uh, You know, all of these things, as I was trying to say yesterday, they don't unwind and go in reverse slowly. They go really quick in reverse. And the pillar of all of this stuff in sport, whichever way you cut it, is the value of broadcast rights. And, you know, this is an industry that has got very complacent Maybe rightly so. I mean, the truth isn't, the story isn't written yet, but let's say, you know, you see the NFL selling to everybody and their uncle evermore, window this set of rights, window that set of rights, and the numbers are huge, and, and you know, everybody hopes that the NBA will be the same and everything like that. Maybe, I, I do believe that America is slightly different because of the role of, of terrestrial domestic TV that they still need sport massively, but in Europe, I think it's, incredibly different uh english premiership may be slightly different but you know everybody that's looking at spain germany and, and especially italy that's up now is the fact that they've not even got a scenario that rights go round go, go down i found that shocking and that's what i wrote about three or four weeks ago You yeah. know, and, and grant i heard this week and, and you know people say these things not just to me but Everywhere in the industry or your industry, people say things and they, and, and they don't want it to be attributed, so I won't. But somebody extremely senior said to me, The Zone have bid to extend the rights for Serie A. They're the current holders, you remember, Joe Markovsky. And yeah. um, I think the amount that they've the current deal is worth is worth 900 million. They bid four grand. 400 yeah. Yeah, million go. I mean there you yeah. go yeah. you know and, 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 and then yeah. and then I start asking around this came from Italy this this thing here so I think it's probably true uh, and and you know if you go back to Joe's interview which was a great one the, the thing that came out of that was that all these people are going to be looking to deals that align risk probably less uh, sure money up front, uh, a smaller minimum guarantee and a revenue share going forward and, and, and the thinking is that, oh, that at the end of the day, it, it may actually be worth more. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think these people now... Now, let's take Italy as an example. You know, um, Serie A last time around went away from the traditional bidder of Sky Italy to the Zone. And, you know, the Zone paid uh, overpaid for that. And And what did Sky Italy do? Sky Italy said... Tell you what, we'll make our business work without Serie A rights. We'll do more with Champions League. We'll do more with our own series, create uh, you know, all the stuff, the, the entertainment stuff you see now. And they've realised, Sky, I think, that they don't absolutely have to have Serie A. So if you've got zone. All of a sudden, in the world of Joe Markovski and Len Blavatnik saying, we're not doing this anymore, we have to change our model, we have to get into a partnership mode, we have to put less money safe up front. Uh, And you've got Sky Italy, the only other credible bidder, basically being easy-ozy about this because they have understood that that football and 90-minute football isn't the thing that it used to be. The kids aren't that bothered about 90-minute football. You're going to get a massive down round, a massive down round in Serie A. I think you'll get the same in Germany. France, I, I'm very bearish about those those rights. I just don't think football in France for Canal Plus is that important. But that's what all these private equity deals are based on. They're based on those mm-hmm. rights going up, and they're based on the cost of capital continuing to be low. If both of those are wrong, we are going into a major storm grant this industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right. And, and as I say, we've we've talked about this for so long now. You you, you kind of almost get bored with it, right? Because yeah. the 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 thing is, this was always going to happen. This was always going to happen. And ultimately, we had this perfect storm of very easy money and people who, because of the easy money, would overpay because they had to have the trophy asset, and they were deemed a failure if they didn't win the bidding, right? No, no one was going to criticize them for overspending because, hey, look, money's free. Just borrow more. You've got to get the asset. And and when that reverses and the cost of capital goes up and, and when you don't want to really win the asset but you want to be seen to be bidding for it, you get this sort of situation where the zone come in with a with a low-ball bid. that Again, you might be right. That might, that might still be high. But the danger really, Roger, is if you do get into this partnership mode, if you do start seeing deals where they're doing these partnership deals that we, we pay you on performance, then you run the risk of really finding out what it's worth. Right. (laughs) Then you, it's not just my sunk money and you go, well, it's in, we just write it off, whatever. Then you start saying, well, hang on a second. It's not worth anywhere near what we thought. That's exactly right. It's not worth anywhere near what we thought. And then that is going to cascade through every football league across Europe. You know, maybe with the exception of the Premier League, because it's so popular in Asia, I don't know. But one would think that there will be people will be a lot less keen to put the first bid in for the next round of Premier League rights, which I think are up in twenty twenty five. But this is just going to cascade. This is going to ripple right through because it's exactly the same business model. Um, all these leagues are facing exactly the same set of problems, different variations of them, but the same problems. And you know this this thing that we keep hammering about what a difference it makes when. It costs you money to borrow. It, it, you just can't stress it highly enough. It's going to absolutely upend everything. And I'll be fascinated to see what happens, whether own get a counter bid or whether whether the Italian leagues is the one you get at, at 400, hundred pound. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, um, the thing that, that I want to ask you about, and I think people would like to hear, Grant, is this. that There is a thinking now, that uh, because of all of this that the powers that be will in what's what you call the pivot will immediately bring interest rates down again and maybe there's some people and maybe it includes all of us that hope oh goodness it'll come down from five back to one and a half again really quickly and we'll be back to where we were in two years what do you think about that there's a lot of people that are are, are talking down inflation and they say, oh, you can forget about that, so they'll just reduce interest rates again.
0: Look, I understand why people want that to happen. Um, Of course they do. Everybody wants to go back to the days of easy money. I don't think it will happen. I think they may pause. I think the best case scenario is they don't do anything and they they stay here, but I think they're going to stay up here longer than people think because they have to kill inflation rights. They have to kill it. It's the beast that you can't let, keep feeding itself um, particularly with an election year in the u.s next year right so this monster has to be killed and if they can get a if they can kill it by just holding rates steady i think they will but there's a chance they they pause this time and they and they talk about the contagion from potential bank runs but again right you damn if you do damned if you don't if you start talking about we're going to accept higher inflation in the short term because we're worried about The banking system that we've just told you is absolutely fine and you don't need to worry about it. You know, this is a real, as I I, I wrote in the piece I published this weekend, you know, rock, meat, hard place. This is where the rubber meets the road. And because of inflation, they've got one hand tied behind their back. So all the things they would normally have done, and they have done at every point in the last 40 years to solve problems like the one they're facing now, if they use what they've used before, it will take the shackles off inflation. So it's going to be very easy, very interesting to see what happens. I don't think rates are going back to zero again, Rog. I really don't. Even if we get you know into a recession, I don't think they're going to floor rates again and just cut them to zero straight away. They'll they'll give back twenty five, they'll give back fifty, they'll give back another twenty five, another fifty. I think their default from now on will be to keep them as high as they can, rather than put them as low as they can. And everything's changed. Everything's changed. So the path of least resistance for rates is up. The path of least resistance for the cost of money is higher. And whilst you might get little windows where you can roll debt over that you need to at slightly lower rates than this, you better take advantage of that. And I think if you if you assume your base case is, don't worry, we'll get back to zero, you're in for a very, very rude awakening.
1: That's really, that's really interesting. But let me, you know, uh, two weeks ago, you offered uh, people to get your, Piece on private equity, you know, which I, yes. I I had a lot of people reach out to me and I did send them that, but you know, and, and and this is getting you know second and third order thinking now. But that piece you wrote on private equity was so important because I think it's something that's poorly understood. Um, private equity, in my opinion, has been the whole ball game for the finance industry for about thirty years, and why is that? Because it is. Um, favoured by a pension industry that needs more return than they can get elsewhere to meet their pension liabilities. Now when you say election years and politics, what it'll allow and what it won't allow, the thing that politics will never allow or will be the last one to go in a world of triage is that folks aren't getting their pensions or pensions are collapsing. I, I believe that is the the absolutely last red line. So um if private equity industry is bleeding to death here, and it would be seen to be bleeding to death, if it was if it was marking to market already. I, I think if it is bleeding to death, there is going to be a huge political need to try and help them out. And I think that me trying to bring rates down, you know, and try and protect the pension system—that's how you would sell it to people. You would blame inflation on Putin and the war. And, and, you know, of the triage of how do I get out of this as a politician, I personally feel I would reduce rates. And if inflation runs hot, I would blame it on the Russians. That's that's how I see it playing out a wee bit grand. You, look, you could try that. You could absolutely
0: try that. And, and look, maybe they will. Nothing's off the table at this point, Rog. It's all very, very fluid at the moment. But I don't think the Putin gamble, I don't think blaming it on Putin is going to work so well. I think you had the opportunity... To blame COVID for supply chain issues and, you, uh, and for and for inflation there, when the reality is it's the stimulus dollars that yeah, have really done it. The, of course, the supply chain didn't help, but it's the stimulus dollars. I think you had the opportunity to blame Putin for energy price increases, but not in the US because they're energy self sufficient, so they don't have that luxury. Europe can do that, but the US can't. So it's tough to figure out where you can point the finger in the US now. That's not to say that there won't be a tremendous political pressure brought to bear on the supposedly independent central bank to to cut rates. You know, we saw Donald Trump do this going into yeah. the election, talking about of why we need to cut rates. I'm sure that will happen again. But look, you know, I, I was thinking about this today. We had we've had the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, the, the Fed Chair Jay Powell, and Joe Biden all come out and tell us that the banking system is sound <laughs> and that uh, you know there's nothing to worry about. Everything is fine. <laughs> take Biden to one side because he's not in the finance business, but Jay Powell and Janet Yellen absolutely are. Now what is an assurance from them that the system is robust? What's that actually worth? Right? Because let's take let's take Jamie Diamond. The, the, yeah. the, the probably the, the the alpha bank CEO of his generation, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Love him or hate him, he's done a phenomenal job. that's JP
1: Morgan for for the for listeners, for the shareholders of JP
0: Morgan, exactly yeah. right. And you know, there, there's an awful lot of ink spilled about him personally, and JP Morgan as an institution. But whatever you want to say, they are a giant bank, and they've and they've, and Diamond's done a phenomenal job. There is zero. Chance that Jamie Dimon understands the full nature of the risk owned and faced by JP Morgan. Zero. It's impossible for one man to accurately know the entirety of the risk that his bank faces. This is is a massive, sprawling organization. Especially in the
1: derivatives side, it's just impossible. Yeah, with risks
0: hidden away and off balance sheet. There's so much risk there. It's, and that's not a knock on him. There is no way anybody could fully understand that. Now he relies on his lieutenants below him to report up to him to tell him that, that everything's okay in their world. You have you have controllers in there that sign off on this thing, and they are simply responding to the latest regulations and checking boxes. And you know, I, you know I've been in this thing. I've seen how it all works. A lot of people don't really understand no. what they do. No. you know, they, they, they they've learned how to do it, but they don't know why and they don't know what they're doing. And that's just one bank. And so for, for Janet Yellen to stand there or j Powell standing and saying the banking system is fine, look, hell, Credit Suisse passed its latest stress test a couple of months ago. Yeah. Right? What was the test? <laughs> what was the test? And of course, the other thing, when you'd say that the banking system's fine, you don't know the nature of the events. You cannot legislate for human emotion. And that is always what causes a bank run. Yeah. What's going to trigger people to want their money back? Yeah, well, We saw with Silicon Valley Bank, which is the bank in America that caused all this chaos to start last week. A lot of people had never heard of Silicon Valley Bank. It was the 16th biggest bank in the United States. It's the second biggest bank failure in American history. And the reason it failed was in the space of 36 hours, or slightly less even, depositors tried to take $42 billion out. And the only way they could do that is because they all did it on their phones, right? They, they, they saw stuff going on, they went into their online banking, and they started taking money out. You know, bank runs nowadays are very, very different to yeah. bank runs yeah. pre-mobile banking. yeah. So, you know, the world has changed, and the banking system absolutely is not sound by its very nature – Fractional reserve banking. This is the point that people don't get.
1: This is the point people don't get. Fractional reserve banking is based on faith. It's a little bit like religion. Um, It is uh, exactly right. (laughs) Exactly right. You know, Rog, the, the system was born unstable.
0: Yep. And so when people tell you, "Oh, the system's fine," no, it's not it's absolutely it's inherently <laughs> it's inherently
1: unstable. not unsta- That's right that's right Correct. and of course Correct. the funny thing i lo- i love about yellen is that when she did that uh, testimony which was a car crash of oh of,
0: my lord uh, uh,
1: just <laughs> oh, unbelievable boy. and and she gets herself into a, a hole where she's saying we will decide who is systematically important and not important which in itself is horrendous for her to say But it's doubly horrendous when you look at which banks have paid her speaking fees in the last three or four years. She's hopelessly conflicted as the person to be choosing which bank she saves and which she doesn't. She's taken millions from these people for an hour's um, speaking lunch and things like that. You know, so uh, yeah. you, 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 you're you right, Grant. You know, people don't understand banking. As I said yesterday, you know, Henry Ford got it right all those decades, centuries ago. If the common person knew how the banking system worked, there would be a revolution tomorrow morning. It is set up to yeah. be unstable. It can't be protected. And things, as I said before, reverse really, really quickly. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the interesting use about Credit Suisse, you know, I think the Saudis, about a month ago, put in $10 yep. billion dollars into Credit Suisse. Yeah. And today... It's worth $100 million now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great investment, isn't it? You know? That, yeah. It's just, you know, I, I like you well, see... But,
0: that, but, that, but that, Rog, the point is, the point is, that's how quickly, that's how quickly. money gets lit on fire in that's times right, like this, that's right? That's right. And when we talk about access to capital, right, for you bringing it back to sport, private equity firms, people that want to finance acquisitions in sport. What Janet Yellen said in that testimony, which was absolutely shocking, and people people should watch it, just even if you don't understand banking, A, you'll understand what she said and how egregious it is, but B, you will absolutely see writ large how flustered she is and how she has absolutely no clue of the problem she's created for herself by backstopping this bank. So some of the data these these kind of medium sized, small to medium sized banks, you know, Republic First Republic Bank was the one that was yeah. supposed to be supposed to be the contagion after Silicon Valley and the signature bank got closed. Um, they shored it up with a shell game of, of deposits that flooded away from these banks into Bank of America and Citigroup and Wells Fargo and JP Morgan. Those guys turned around and put that money as their own <laughs> deposit back into these banks to shore them up. You can't I mean you can't make this stuff. No, up. you can't, but, you can't. To, to the point about what constitutes systemic risk for a bank, I think it's pretty obvious, and we've seen that demonstrated this last weekend, that when a bank of this size gets in trouble, it quickly spreads to other banks of this size, right? They, all the money goes into the big money center banks. So banks with less than $250 billion in assets, they count account for 50% of all U.S. commercial and industrial lending it's about 60% of residential real estate it's 80% of commercial real estate lending and it's roughly half of consumer the
1: majority lending. it's all in
0: there it's all in there it, yeah so you 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 can't tell me that <laughs> any bank is not systemic now which means that the fed has just backstopped 8 trillion dollars of deposits yeah 8 trillion dollars so look th- this is this is a de facto credit tightening what we're seeing now and anybody that is in the market to to try and borrow money to acquire sports assets, one of two things is going to happen. They're either not going to get the money they wanted, in which case they should be thankful because it gives them the chance to completely renegotiate the price, which is only going in one direction. So, um, you know, it, 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 the banking world is, is, is simultaneously simple and extremely complicated. You know, you take in deposits – you pay them as low an interest rate as you can. You lend that money out to other people at the highest interest rate you can, and you and you pocket the difference. And it's it's the second oldest profession in the world, as far as I can yeah. figure out. Rog,
1: there was one thing in that wonderful thing you just put out yesterday, which summarised the last week. Uh, again, that newsletter is is must reading. There was that, that graph that that I just thought was amazing, where you list all yeah, the another but, one you mean, you know, the one about uh, unrealised losses, the impairment. Yeah, impairment, it's a tier one capital, yeah. But Grant, that is, that is terrifying. They're holding yeah. stuff in their balance sheet that is not worth what they're saying it's worth. And if they marked it down to market, phrase of 2023, marked to market, they, uh, <laughs> they're in serious trouble. I guess it was all of them. Bank of America yeah. notably, uh, horrendous, but all of them were at it. Yeah, and and
0: look I mean we're getting way off sport here which I hope, I hope people forgive us for that but um you know I think I think the point here Roger is brings us back to private equity because what the banks are doing the unrealized losses they have on their securities that's only a problem if they're forced to sell them right yeah. if they if they hold them to maturity get they'll, they'll get the money back so it's, this is why the bank run is a problem that's where that's where a yeah, I'm just more for the listeners but that's where that's where Silicon Valley got into trouble where they were forced to sell these and yeah. realize the loss on them but private equity obviously they've been marking everything to market off their own backs for the longest time you know the the market itself the free market can't price the assets for them they choose the marks yeah and I promise you they're not undervaluing them on their books <laughs> I promise you that <laughs> yes. and so you know there, there comes a time when when these things, there is no bid for them. And if they are forced to sell to raise capital, that's when we'll really find out what all this stuff is worth. So it's um, it's a fascinating time. We've been flagging it for a while, and and it's here now. And even if things calm down in the markets, which you know I, I wouldn't say is certain at this point, it's not gone away. This is this is a problem now, and it will remain a problem for quite some time. And people need to understand that.
1: And I think they also need to understand that the, the, the more simpler uh, domino that falls on this, which is just uh, disposable incomes. We, we we are going into tough times. There's no doubt about it, whether it's through inflation and, and energy bills or whether it's through your mortgage rate being significantly higher now, just less, less disposable income. And we already, we already saw this a little bit, all the kind of like, you know, COVID meme stocks, the Pelotons, the subscription models. All of them are going to come under massive, massive pressure. At the same time that people still continue to underestimate piracy. And at the third one, which is, I don't think they've understood yet that folks under 21, 22, they have no real concept of paying for content. And they certainly won't pay for content that's 90 minutes that's not really in their product market fit. So I just, you know, there was a big conference in New York last week, OTT and everything like that. And some big names on that stage again. And they're giving all this good body language still about this is great and that is great. And I just feel like shaking the computer when I'm watching it and saying like, "What, what world are you living in? And and, and and you know, I'm not a harsh guy, but you know, that same conference two years ago there was a guy from FUBU TV giving it the same bullshit about uh, everything that was going to work out. Where's FUBU TV now? Bust. Right? I'm telling uh, I think I think they changed the name to FUBAR TV now. <laughs> FUBAR <laughs> Anyway, listen, think, let, let, <laughs> let's lighten it up a little bit because um I did yes, wanted to get into that, but um not as deeply as that. But let's lighten it up. So um thank you to um our friend Dominic Henderson for this wonderful um, thing that he sent us about March Madness. Now lots of our listeners yes. love, <laughs> love March Madness. Uh, maybe some people oh, and th- and, th-
0: and this one so far, Roger, has been absolutely off the charts the surprises the upsets have been un- unbelievable
1: right now uh, i think a lot of people this side of the pond don't really understand the absolute importance of march madness and and actually college sport in general but that's fine but the wonderful thing here and this is this is my goal of the week is this march madness is the moment apparently for uh, you deciding to have your vasectomy There is a name for it called Vass Madness. (laughs) And I I looked this up on the website here. Listen to this. This This is a quote from the website. God bless America. Schedule your consult now and then have your vasectomy done in March during the NCAA college basketball tournaments. <laughs> Recover on the couch for a couple of days, guilt-free and under, and under doctor's orders, whilst enjoying your free VAS survival kit. This year's survival kit, this is the goodie bag that they give when you get the, 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 the vasectomy. This year's survival kit includes, God bless America, a large Two topping pizza from Domino's A license plate holder I don't know what that's for A license plate holder And keychain from the Blue and Orange store A bag of nuts from City Peanut Shop A 16 ounce coffee from the Human Bean A free custard from Freddy's Frozen Custard And steak burgers (laughs) this is a classic, a 50% discount off the range pass from independent shooting gallery, because of course the Americans love that, a puzzle book, which is quite interesting and quaint, popcorn, and a bag of frozen peas for those tender moments. Schedule your vasectomy today. Make sure to mention Vast Madness when you schedule for your full discounts. That's a website, man unbelievable get your vasectomy hey. <laughs> the free market my friend unfortunately <laughs> as, as he says there you probably only
0: get a couple of days on the count the tournament runs for about four weeks <laughs> so you need to come up with you need to come up with something else but isn't that magnificent I have to say Rog March Madness is the um, the final four that's you know when, when Giles did the uh, captain's table everybody's sporting event they wanted to go to was the Super Bowl yeah for me, it's the final four. That's the one I've got to go to at some point. I don't know when, but I have to get to the anybody final listening. Four so, out Mr. Williams, years. for
1: that, that yeah, that. yeah, right,
0: yeah. I, I've been dying to go for years. I, I, I remember watching it when, on the TV in Tokyo back in the late eighties, and 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 it was just it's just an epic epic weekend of, of, of basketball lunacy. Um, so but, uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been great. I, one one thing I saw Roger Gold. Did you see that? Um, Fallon Sherrick had a nine dart finish. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see that. She had a nine dart finish this week, which is just fantastic. You know, and, and it, it, it got me thinking that, you know, we've talked on this show about, um, you know, mixed events. We talked about golf yeah. and you said, you talked about how golf lends itself. We've, yeah. we've got, uh, Grant Thornton are sponsoring, uh, a, a mixed team event, um, PGA and LPGA. Tour. And that. The, you know, they've got the big name, big names on both tours competing. Um, you know, darts, we've actually got women now getting to PDC tour event finals. You know, Fallon Sherrick lost to Michael Van Gogh in the final of a, of a recent She's event. She's right
1: up there now. So, there's, you know, there's nothing to see.
0: Fantastic, right? Fantastic. Yeah. And these, these events where you can have mixed events, you know, snooker is another obvious one. You yeah. know, there's no, there's, there's the only advantage there, I would imagine, is height and you yeah, yeah. might have the to rest, use the rest of The rest, more. yeah. But you, but you can see snooker being something where you'll have men playing against the women. I, I think it's fantastic. I think I think it's the future. I'm really looking forward to this uh, this this LPGA PGA tour event. I think it's going to be fantastic.
1: Well, whilst you're on golf, um, very quickly, um, Freddie Couples. Did you see that? I love Freddie Couples. Did you see his comments? I love Freddie
0: Couples, but no, I didn't see it. What, what was it? Live bashing? Yes, he's not a fan of live.
1: He's not a fan of live. See, I
0: didn't even know there was a live event on this week. I've seen no coverage of it at all <laughs> down here in Australia. <laughs>
1: Well, you have been buried in the books That's true uh, Listen, um, Freddie Couples, right I love Freddie, you know, so laid back it just, I've always loved him, the swing and everything, the way he walks uh, He came out and he said, uh, Mickelson is a nutbag And, you know, uh, it's along the lines of Hey, anybody want to pay a 52-year-old guy 200 million to shoot 74, 75? Knock yourself <laughs> out <laughs> And he called he <laughs> he called, he called, he called, Sergio a clown. So, like, he wasn't on the fence, Freddie, Freddie. But it seems to be, like, escalating that whole thing into a lot of lot of real, like, uh, take your sides and don't move an inch. It's getting very intransigent, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And, and we're going to be talking about this for some time, I think, Rog, because it's, it's... But what about the, 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 the Ryder
0: Cup? The beef, as you... What, what, what well, the beef, as you say, is not going away. The Ryder Cup's in September, uh, right near you, right, in Italy. Yeah, after our event. Um, yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens, whether the live players play or not, I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting at the Masters in three weeks to see what the reception's like for these guys. I mean, I'm sure at the Masters it'll be fine because it's a very different kind of crowd at, at Augusta National. Um but still, you know, the likes of Sergio sure will be there. Dustin Johnson will be there. DeChambeau, I don't know. I, I suspect he'll be there because yeah, he won the US Open, so he'll be there. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I literally saw a headline that some guy whose name I don't even know won the Liverben in, in wherever it was. But it was just an afterthought that popped up on my phone. as a notification. And I, I at least didn't even recognize the guy's name who won it. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I said this last time we talked about. I think that thing is in real yeah, trouble. Yeah, you said that. You're probably right. I think it's in real trouble. Probably right. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It'd be, it'd be interesting to to get Giles to get um, to get Keith Pelly or uh, Martin Slumber. None of, to come none on of the these show.
1: guys are coming on anymore. I think we've burnt our bridges on that. N- none of them are coming back. <laughs> like first time came round, we were still in Mister Nice Guy mode. Now I think they know. They, they, they know. As Nick Clary won't come on and. Even though I hear he does speak to friends of friends, and uh, so he is listening, but he's not coming on. I don't think they'll come on, Grant. Well, I don't blame them. I really I don't know. blame them. It's it's like you know you're 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 you being asked to defend something that is is hard, and you know why take the risk? What's the upside for them to come on? You know, it's, all, it's Well, you may be right. You may be right. Listen, but, uh, hey, listen. If,
0: if if our undying respect isn't worth anything, Roger, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs>
1: That's true. That's true. And, and as you can see from the last two with Joe and obviously Elliot, did you listen to the Elliot one? I did. I, I was going to say that was actually going to be one of my goals because I, I I was I was
0: devastated I couldn't make that because I was down here in Australia. Um, but uh, but I listened to that, and anyone listening to this that hasn't listened to that conversation with Elliot Richardson. Should absolutely, do so. He, he was magnificent. It was a great conversation. I thought you and Giles did a brilliant job, but but what a guy! Okay. I mean, he's, he's so smart, he's so open, and um, you know, it, it, it's a hell of a thing he's built. It's a hell of a thing he and Lucas have built together with, with one football. And it was fascinating to listen to his thinking about the business model and, and some of the numbers. Um, Really, t- really took me by surprise. Uh, yeah. me that, that Bundesliga coverage, you know, the, the improvement yeah. they saw in the Bundesliga coverage, just amazing. It just shows you if you if you build the right platform, um, there is still an awful lot you can do with these rights, Rog. You know, taking it back to what we were talking about at the top of the show, but you have to have the right platform, and you have to have the right guys running that platform to make the key decisions.
1: Yeah. So, um, as I was saying, you know, people that, have, that heard that and heard Joe Markovsky know that we are not, you know, in it to embarrass any guest or give them an unnecessarily hard time. I think we do show respect um, and, you know, but we will ask the right question, you know, like to Joe, when are you going to turn profits? Because that's what everybody wants to know. Uh, yep. I, I, and, you know, to, to to Elliot, you know, like, you know, Web3 was a mistake, wasn't it? You know, and he, he said, absolutely. So that's what we're looking for. If people are still trying to play the kind of PR comms game of playing your strong suit and hiding your weak suit, we're probably not the podcast for you. So um, I've got one to finish with, which comes from our dear friend Colin. Uh, Cheltenham. Ch- Cheltenham's a big event. It's one of the big sporting things in the UK, and I don't think people talk about it enough. You know, uh, you're not a horse guy, are you? You're, you're not. A, a, a... I'm not a horse guy. No, I'm not a horse guy. I've got.
0: 50-50 shot at working out which end you feed the thing, but that's about it.
1: Right, okay. So what happened, and is one of these moments that you would love, the kind of thing that you say to me, look, sport isn't about subs and profits and valuations and ARPU and brand and, and all of that. It's just about these moments that come along every so often that are unscripted and are the most beautiful thing in our lives. So last year... Henry de Bromhead lost his son, uh, uh, a 14-year-old son. The
0: stable boy, the stable lad, yeah.
1: Right, he lost his son. Um, He's a trainer. He trains a horse called Honeysuckle. Honeysuckles, might be wrong on that. I'm not a horse guy either. But anyway, Honeysuckle's last race was last week in Cheltenham. I think it was a mayor's hurdle or something like that. It was ridden by that wonderful jockey, Rachel I think it's Blackmore. Um, yeah. And it won. It won. And when it came back into the the paddock and, you know, the crowd was there and the emotion and it was the last race and Henry was there and he's thinking about his, his lads and the crowd are going berserk. It's a tearjerker, Grant. It really is. And, and Colin sent it to me. He said, just look at this. And it's not my sport. Uh, racing, but I have to say that was extremely emotional, extremely. Mo- so that's that's a like goal. Oh, I
0: need to watch that. I need to watch that. I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. But I, but I will watch it. Yeah, I've had, I've had a hell of a week. I haven't seen much this week. No, I know, to, honestly, I know that. I know that. I know that. I've not seen much. I know that outside the world of finance this past week. I
1: know that. And, and of course, whilst we're on Cheltenham, little shout out to Charlie Boss, who is uh, just about leaving the jockey club now but has been in charge of all this for a while and um, has been involved in a lot of innovations around Cheltenham that a lot of people don't like, but I think it's the way it needs to go. You know, he's lo- he's dropped the, the stuffy dress code. He's brought in, you know, influencers and music people. And, you know, I, I think it's been very, very positive. And, and Charlie now is, is moving on, <laughs> moving on. Guess where he's going to? He's going to a football club. <laughs> he's going to Southampton. You know, like talk about oh yeah, talk about not getting a break. You know, like because Ooh I don't, boy. I don't know. You probably start talking about these kind of moves nine months ago, and they're like fine, and now they're twentieth. And well, listen, yeah, that's uh, my hey, f-
0: good luck. Good luck, luck, luck getting influence
1: to make a difference uh, down at St Mary's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just need those points. You don't give a flying fuck about the influencers at no. this point. You whatever it <laughs> no, takes yeah. to get a point here, a point.
0: Here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can just imagine them introducing some YouTuber at the beginning of the game. Fuck off. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Well, right. oh, I think that, I think that's me, mate. And oh, I, I know you. I know you've really been super tired and very busy. So I think that's us this week. Let's call it a, a little bit early. We we, we covered yeah, a lot of ground.
0: I think that's us. Well, mate, that was that was fun as always. Um, it's an interesting world we're in, and. Um, it's only going to get more interesting, so I, I would advise people to pay attention. I know the world of finance gets uh, people's eyes glazed over for the most part, but um, but what's happening now is actually important, and it's going to affect it's going to affect people way more than they understand. I, I suspect. So pay attention. Anyway, that's it, Raj. Thanks as always. Good fun, and our thanks to you out there for listening to us. Um, if we've got a bit wonky this week and off track with all the finance stuff, my apologies we'll we'll get back to pure sport next week hopefully if 15 more banks don't fail to <laughs> now and then so thanks for listening to us in the meantime if you don't follow us already then that's very easy to rectify you'll find us on twitter we're at entertained r that's the word a-r-e uh, as for me you'll find me at t-t-m-y-g-h
1: and you can find me at rpm como as in the lake as in the lake until next time my friend arrivederci take care be safe bye-bye